Welcome to episode 70 of the Scarlet Faithful Podcast. I am your host and co-founder, Aaron Brightman, coming to you on Friday, May 12th. We made it through the week. This is the first week of myself doing daily podcasts. I hope you've enjoyed it, uh, and it's been fun, and I look forward to uh, keeping it going. So plan is I won't really do anything on the weekends right now unless some breaking news happens, obviously during you know the school year, during the season both for football and basketball. There'll be so much going on. I, I do plan to do uh, pretty much every day. Uh, but for now, you know, going into the summer, uh, we'll see what happens. We'll take it as it goes. But um, wanted to wait a little bit on Friday. Obviously, Thursday was a big news day in terms of just waiting around with the transfer portal. So wanted to discuss that and really touch on a few other things with Rutgers men's basketball and really first, just the fact that, I mean, this has been a thrilling kind of different off season, just in the sense of for, for college basketball in general, right? Just because of the transfer portal, NIL, and just the nature of everything. Now, some people hate it. Um, it's certainly different. Um, but my kind of take on it is that we're all on the edge of our seats about Rutgers men's basketball in May. And I don't really know how that's a bad thing. So uh that excites me there's genuine interest in the program there's reasons to be hopeful and excited about the program and getting through this transfer portal deadline is certainly a positive now just to clarify what that means thursday was the deadline to enter the transfer portal uh to then be eligible to play next season with the one one uh one time sit out exemption Right. So if you're transferring for the first time, if you enter the portal by yesterday, May 11th, you can transfer anywhere you want and play right away next season. If you miss the deadline, if you have not entered the portal yet and you enter the portal today, you would, by rule, have to then sit out next season. You're not losing eligibility, but you have to sit out next season. Now, there are exemptions you can file for a waiver with the NCAA. Uh, varying reasons that people do it. Uh, sometimes it's, you know, being closer to home because there's a family issue. Um, there's even, you know, mental health issues now. Uh, it is Mental Health Awareness Month. So um, uh, I support anyone in, in that battle. And, and we all have, I think, <laughs> varying battles, uh, you know, throughout our lives uh, with all kinds of stressors. And everyone goes through things that you don't know about. So I guess this is my quick little moment of just being respectful to everyone. And that also, I guess I'm going to apply that to college basketball. You know, it's easy to judge these kids from wanting to make certain decisions, but there's a lot that goes on that none of us know about, you know, in terms of, of what they hear, what they're promised, what is real, what's not. Uh, and, you know, I think at the end of the day, we just have to respect everyone in terms of, their right to do what's best for them and the program to do what's best for them. And I think that we're very fortunate to have Steve Peichel as the head coach at Rutgers because, you know, I don't know if you saw the article in the USA Today Network uh, on last Sunday, but it was talking about his family and how his kind of family philosophy with his own kids in terms of playing competitive sports, uh, how refreshing it was, you know, in terms of not overdoing it at a young age, uh, having balanced lives. And I think that he applies all those principles to how he runs the program. And, you know, I've, I've talked to a lot of players over the years and um, 
listen, not everyone is going to agree with their head coach, right, or, or love their head coach per se, but every single player I've ever talked to has the utmost respect for him. And, and pretty much, I, I think a large majority generally like him and, and enjoyed playing for him. Uh, obviously, playing time is going to be part of that, right? I think the only gripes I've ever heard about people that haven't uh, is playing time, you know, and they end up going on to, to places they can. And that's, that is why the transfer portal is important, you know, for players that want to seek out other opportunities. So that's a positive. So Rutgers got through that deadline where every player on the roster that wants to play next season is locked in unless they're willing to risk sitting out or trying to get this waiver, right? So I would say the roster at this point is solidified in that regard. Now, it does not apply to grad transfers. Grad transfers can still enter the portal at any time. Um, but I, I, I wouldn't be too concerned about that. I mean, we know Andre High and Cam Spencer are back. We don't know if Paul Mulcahy is back, but that's for other reasons in terms of him exploring options outside of college is, is my understanding. So we're waiting on Cliff Amori and Paul Mulcahy. We know that right now Rutgers has in the front court, Mawat Mag, who's recovering from the torn ACL injury. A lot of speculation there. He's back. He did not uh, enter the transfer portal. Antoine uh, Wolfolk is back. So we have those two in the front court. Then you have, Gavin Griffiths, top 40 recruit, who I wrote about this week, at the wing. Andre Hyatt's back. He has versatility. He can play the three or the four. You have Antonio Troll, who's a bit of a project, who the staff's really high on. And then you have a backcourt that includes Noah Fernandes, the transfer from UMass, Cam Spencer, who had the best offensive season of any Pikele player since he's arrived at Rutgers. And then you have Derek Simpson, year two. Jermichael Davis is still expected to sign. You're waiting on Mokehi and Omori. Let's say both of them return. You still have two open scholarships for next season. So I think, you know, when I, I got a, a reply on Twitter today, someone says, uh, and I appreciate the reply, uh, but it was basically being nervous that we haven't heard much on the portal front in terms of players that Rutgers is pursuing. I, I wouldn't be worried about that. You know, it's... Uh, there's hurdles throughout the offseason, and I think as we've learned this offseason, things are adapting and changing daily, and I think that Peichel is adjusting and adapting to that. You know, they already – getting Noah Fernandes early on was huge, uh, and that was, I think, a major priority in terms of getting a ball handler, uh, getting another uh, player that can create on offense. They got that accomplished pretty quickly. Now it was about retention, keeping the roster core intact, now it's about, now that that deadline's passed, now you're waiting on Cliff and Paul. Cliff is going to participate along with Kayla McConnell, who's since departed based on eligibility, at the NBA uh, Elite, uh, excuse me, G League Elite Camp, uh, which is a two-day combine uh, on Saturday and Sunday. And then if he performs, if he's a top performer, uh, he could get invited to the NBA Draft Combine, which takes place next week, starting on Monday. So we'll have some more clarity there. I think realistically, I mean, just from a statistical point of view, if you're not invited to the NFL draft combine or NBA draft combine, excuse me, uh, the odds of you getting drafted are pretty close to zero. So uh, we'll have to see. Again, NBA isn't the only pro options. You know, there's overseas, there's the G League. So still wait and see on Cliff. He is until May 31st to decide whether he stays in the draft or he withdraws as an early entrant and returns to Rutgers. 
also Pomo Kehi is under the same uh, timeline. Now he is not getting the same type of interest from the NBA and G League that uh, Omori is, but it still gives him time to to weigh all of his decisions. Um, I do think if Paul comes back, uh, he's going to play a huge role. You know, and I I still don't understand the pushback and the kind of negative comments by some fans that you know they hope he moves on. Why? Why? Yes, he did not play his best at the end of last year. He he was obviously hurt. Um, he lost confidence. A lot of things happened. But he's done a lot of good in his career at Rutgers. And I think the other thing that happened was that he he's someone that cares immensely. And he took on a lot, you know, to heart. But also just I think he took on maybe too much responsibility, even in his own head. And having someone like Noah Fernandes on the team, having Gavin Griffiths, another shooter to go with Spencer, you know, having Derek Simpson farther along in his development, these are all positives. And I think that they can all help Paul be a better player. Obviously, he needs to be healthy. So if he returns, I still expect him to play a huge role and and and, and be on the ball, a good part. Uh, he's fourth all-time in assists. You know, he's he's a point guard. That's how Pico looks at him. Uh, you know, could he could he deviate his role? Could he play off the ball more? You know, could he be more of a point forward? I think all those are possible. Um but I don't think he's going to be asked to do some completely different role than he's ever done before. Um, if he comes back, you have a backcourt that's very experienced, talented, diverse, and versatile in their skill sets. Would be really excited about that. Cliff obviously really improved his defenses last year, an elite rim defender now, made all Big Ten defensive team, made second team all Big Ten. He has some offensive work to do. He's much better in space. He's not a true post-up guy. He doesn't have a ton of range, but he's athletic as anyone in college basketball. And I think when you have more perimeter scores, when you have more guys that can create offense off the dribble, that's going to help Cliff Amore. So I think it's a great situation for him to come back. Again, it's his decision. But uh, getting both of those guys back would be would be a massive development. Uh, for Rutgers. So we'll see what happens there. We have to May 31st to really know. So another almost three weeks. Uh, Michael Davis, like I mentioned, you know, he's still expected to sign. He is the high school teammate and longtime friend of five-star Ace Bailey, who's committed to the 2024 class. Davis is expected to sign with the 2023 class. Uh, and everything that I'm hearing is still, uh, still on course for that. So if all of that happens, that leaves two scholarships available for the 2023-2024 season, what will Rutgers do? Obviously, they need to go into the transfer portal. Like I said, there's lots of options still. There's no reason to panic. And I think that people need to appreciate that Peichel is very methodical in how he approaches things. You know, he isn't necessarily deliberate or hesitant to be that. He does that when he thinks it's the right thing to do. You know, and Noah Fernandes was a the guy they, they identified very quickly. And they pounced. They got him on campus, and he had other scheduled visits, and they closed him out before he could continue his visits. You know, very similar to how they got Cam Spencer the year before. So um, I think now what you're seeing is Rutgers needed to wait on a few things. They needed to see how the roster shook up after the portal deadline. They still need to wait and see, you know, if Cliff comes back. If Cliff comes back versus Cliff leaving – 
the opportunity they have to pitch on the open market in the transfer portal is very different. It's very different. You know, and I did, I wrote about the roster in more detail today, articles up on the scarletfaithful.com talking about in terms of, I do think there's versatility with the roster right now in terms of, you know, Antoine Wolfolk, Andre Hyatt, and Moat Mag in terms of how you shift them around based on who else you have. You know, if Cliff is gone, does Wolf, you know, Wolf potentially could move into that starting five spot and you get a backup or do you go get a starting big or, you know, does, does Hyatt shift down to the four when Mag is hurt and you prioritize another four or do you plan on Hyatt and Mag manning down the four and you get another wing to go along with the inexperience of Griffiths and Chol? There's a lot of different directions that could go. I do think more, more so than not, they're going to, you know, they have 11 spots. They have two open. In past years, Peichel has not filled all the scholarships. I think that he, his eyes are open after last season, realizing that depth was an issue. I think also the climate has changed in terms of the transfer portal. Players are leaving year after year. So the idea that, you know, in terms of keeping people happy, I, I think that's – in. Yes, there's a control in that as the leader of your program, but I also think there's factors that go into that that are out of your control. And we've seen, I mean, I think Rutgers fans should be appreciative of how many key players are set to return now. There's programs that, I mean, lost almost everybody, almost everyone that are completely rebuilding. that had one or two scholarship players returning. That's it. So, um, I don't. I do think though that that's going to play a part in how Pico's approaching the roster, and that I think you, I think he'll fill all the scholarship spots. You're going to have people transfer year after year now. That's just part of the reality. So, so doing something to try to prevent that by keeping everybody happy by keeping an open scholarship, and I do love how he gives it to walk-ons. But at the same time, the Big Ten is the Big Ten. This is Power Five basketball. You need every roster spot. I think available from a death perspective. So I think, you know, especially with Mag's injury, we know he's going to return at some point. We don't know the exact timetable. We don't know if he's going to be ready at the start of the season. We don't know if it's going to be December. You know, we don't know. And I'm sure nobody knows at this point. It's still too early in his recovery process. Uh, but there's no reason to believe he won't be fully recovered and be a contributor at some point next season. But does that play into how they build the roster from here? So, I do think, you know, a four and a five makes a lot of sense. You know, if especially if Mokehi returns, your backcourt's set. Uh, you know, you want to get Griffiths a lot of time. You have Hyatt. Uh, like I said, you could potentially shift, depending on what options are available, maybe they do want to shift Hyatt to the four and they go out and get a wing if they like those options better. But I think most likely they'll stick with a four and a five. You get a back of five probably. Well, you get a back of five if Cliff returns. You know, Wolf is able to play both positions. And then you see about the four as well. But you need depth there. You need depth. But if Cliff leaves, then, yeah, you have a starting five position to sell. Uh, it sells the wrong word. Market opportunity. And, um, you know, it's going to be really interesting to see what they do. But I, I, I do think that there's quality options out there. Uh, of course, there's, you know, players that are already gone that I wish Rutgers had a chance to get. But there's nothing they could have done. You have to let the offseason play out. You have to let it all be a process. And that's what it is. Uh, and there's other things that task now. You know, you have uh, an assistant coach opening still that Rutgers has to, to figure out. 
and uh, I'm sure now that the portal deadline has passed, Pico will reprioritize that uh, position. And then also you have another staff fill now. Uh, Tom Barrett, the director of external operations, has left. It was reported by Jeff Goodman yesterday that he uh, went back to Sacred Heart. Uh, head coach is Anthony Latina, is actually a good friend of Pico. Uh, and um, I mentioned him as a potential assistant coach option earlier this offseason. But uh, appears, you know, he's going to stay at Sacred Heart. And he actually brought Barrett back as an assistant coach. So Barrett was director of external operations. My understanding is he had a lot to do with analytics and things like that. So that role is open. Or if it will be the same role and then shift into something else, who knows? But there's now two staff open positions. That's something to watch for as well. So it's an interesting offseason. It's a fascinating offseason. It's an exciting offseason. I still think Rutgers is well positioned to uh, have an even better season than last year and uh, get back to the NCAA tournament. The Big Ten, I think, is going to be pretty wide open. And I think how, you know, the next six weeks go for Rutgers in terms of the additions to the program that Pykel makes, both on the staff level and on the roster, are huge towards doing that. So it's an exciting time. I appreciate everyone following my coverage uh, watching these videos, listening to the podcast, and also reading all my coverage. I hope you have a great weekend. I'll be back soon. And uh, continue to follow the scarletfaithful.com all weekend. And uh, hope you have a great, uh, great day. Thank you.